Welcome to Andy Staples on 3. I'm here at Big Ten Media Days talking about something that has nothing to do with the Big Ten, at least we think. We think. Pete Nakos from On3 joins me. Pete, it's been one of those days. It sure has. It this, sure has. This, I think, is the uh, the third opening segment I wound up recording for this show. And the reason we are doing another opening segment is there is potential realignment afoot. Uh, Pete Thamel from ESPN and then multiple folks have also corroborated that Colorado held a Board of Regents meeting on Wednesday. There's another one scheduled for Thursday. You can find it on their website. Yep. And presumably these are to plan a move to the Big 12. Correct. That's uh, not what their chancellor said. <laughs> that is not like what the six days said. ago. No. But George Klyavkov's uh, prediction came true, right? Deion Sanders and the and the TV contract. I was standing right next to George Klyavkov in Las Vegas when he said that in December. And I remember calling my, my editor at my old job and saying, uh, you're not going to believe what he just said. And they're like, <laughs> write the story right now. Because it was, it was so – and I remember the reader's reaction to it, where it was George Klayavkov saying that, that Deion Sanders would be very important to the TV negotiation for the Pac-12. Well, unless Deion Sanders is planning to move to Oregon State yep. between now and then, there may not be any Colorado in the, in the Pac-12 TV negotiation opens up quite a lot of different doors it does it does and and let's colorado yep to be fair has been the one that we've said over the last couple of months if somebody's gonna move they would be the ones that would move and then what happens next because we we know that brett yormark the big 12 commissioner has has been in communication with arizona he's tried to get them to move they've been fairly you know resounding in in their yeah saying that they want to stay in the pac-12 utah has also said they want to stay in the pac-12 but then you've got yukon who who, who they've been talking to <laughs> gonzaga gonzaga is a is potentially a, a basketball only member and so it does make you wonder what what the next domino to fall would be because i don't think if colorado moves they're moving alone they're definitely not going to move alone and and after you think about Dion for about five se- seconds, then your 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 mind really just goes to Oregon, right? We were. What do you do if you're Oregon, well, right? What do you do if you're Oregon? We're in Indianapolis today, and Tony Petiti said, not really worried about expansion. Well, Oregon might want to go hang out in the Big Twelve then. So, this is not something that that's really been talked about, but you make a good point, Pete, because we're here at Big Ten Media Days. Yep. They keep making clear that they don't really want to take on anymore uh i think when kevin warren was still the commissioner there was maybe an appetite on his part there was to take on more but once he left and went to the chicago bears it doesn't seem like that appetite has continued uh interestingly enough michael schill the former president of oregon now the president of of northwestern yep with much bigger problems on his plate yeah um and we saw a photo on instagram from brutus buckeye with Puddles the Duck. With Puddles. And everybody's like, what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know that it means anything. I don't think it means a single thing. It could be a future knock-on game in football. Um, what, what, oh, but, okay, you, you said Oregon. And, and this is, I'm telling you now, we're into the zone of realignment talk where. It's kind of like the Twilight Zone. Once the dominoes start to fall, you until we get more solid information on anything, we can our minds can take us anywhere. So if you're Oregon. Yes, do you ex- examine your options like the Big 12? What about Washington? Mm. Would you would you consider that? I, I, I think Oregon and Washington both are now in a position, right, where one of the two is probably going to need to go to the Big 12. So do you move the quickest so you're not that, that school left behind? Okay, here's another thought, though. San Diego State was ready to move to the Pac-12. Mm. Probably still ready. At this point, maybe you have to go to San Diego State if you're the Pac-12. Because remember, San Diego State had to pay the legal fees of the Mountain West true. to stay there. To say, okay, we're going to lose Colorado. We're go- we'll take you yeah. to replace them. Yeah. And hope that satisfies Oregon and Washington. And let's be honest, if Colorado leaves and they, re- they are replaced with San Diego State, 
is that that big of a difference in terms of whatever their TV deal would be? Yeah. No, those those are really good points. And then the other thought where I go is, is so then Arizona was also brought up as yes. a, as a, as and a has companion been. to Colorado yeah. and, and does – President Bobby Robbins in Arizona take that that opening before uh, Washington and Oregon can. And, and Bobby Robbins, interestingly enough, certainly wants to be a mover and a shaker. He does in the world of college athletics. They held a big uh, a big to do in Washington D.C. where they talked about the future of the sport yep. as, uh, of sports and how everything's going to work. So, yeah, he wants to win a national title. Like they, Arizona would really like to be more competitive. And, and they, they think that they're building in that direction. Well, you add Arizona basketball to the Big 12, yeah. and it's it's already maybe the best basketball league in America. And then, you then add them. Is, then yeah. there's no, right. no question mark. At the right. Because the, the UConn thing, yes, you would get their basketball. I don't know that Arizona or UConn football yeah. moves the needle as much. But either way, it's something that the the, the Big 12 would totally would What if covet. you add Arizona and then add Gonzaga as basketball only? I mean, and now – you just your mind kind of runs rampant on, on what the basketball TV contract could look like, and yeah, I mean it's it's not huge because the basketball numbers and football numbers right. are different. But and, and this is the part that I agree with Brett Yormark on, and and I've had people push back on this. Basketball still matters. There's still real money in basketball, and you forget the big kind of leverage point between the the power five schools or the power two or however you want to do it and the ncaa is the basketball tournament yep. if the power five were to take their teams out of the basket the ncaa basketball tournament that's a billion dollar a year property a billion dollars a year is still a lot of freaking money yeah that's a lot of money and so if you're the big 12 and you want to be as strong as possible well what would put you in the proximity of the cool kids table Having a basketball league that you cannot leave out of yeah. that tournament. And now we're just calling it the Power 3 at that point. Yeah. No yeah. more Power 5. I, do, power I, think, I still think ACC fits in there okay, pretty so well. Okay, so Power 4. But, it, yeah. I mean, what we're talking about would decimate a conference that, that is just historically tied to college football that we've always thought that of. Is, that is the part that, that is amazing to me because it unless you can just stop the bleeding at Colorado, fill in San Diego State, and be done with it, it becomes a very big domino effect. Well, and, and the bigger problem is too is right. Like San Diego State's not going to be able to to fill in for Colorado in that t- I, they could take up like half of what Colorado. But it's right. Like, it, it it probably isn't the same TV it deal is not that the you, same TV you would have gotten. But just, that you've been working on for months. <laughs> it's it, and and remember, George Klyavkov said, "The longer we go, the better it gets." Which it, it sounded so strange when he said it. Yeah, and then. You know, it, interestingly enough, they had a Q&A with George Klyavkov and, and Mark Mark Harlan, the, the AD at Utah. The AD at Utah. And Harlan answered questions and seemed very sure of the, the Utes' place in the Pac-12. Do you know what Rick George did? Uh, Rick George had to catch a flight. He Rick George is a Colorado a AD. They had a similar situation. And Rick George had to catch a flight before he could answer any questions. So yep. it's going to be very interesting as we go to – what do we call going to press when we're putting a video on YouTube? When we put the, when we the upload final the video. music yeah. on, right? You right, when we, we put the touches, finishing touches. The, yeah, you put exactly. the final music the, touches on. Exactly. When we put the finishing, the, the finishing production notes on our video, as we know, Colorado still there. Yep. <laughs> Pete Thamel from ESPN yeah. just walked by. We're just going to make him what's come, up, Pete? come tell us what, what what's going to happen now. Yeah. But yes, right now, they're there. Yep. Pete might have another story. By tomorrow? <laughs> Who knows? Yep. We got a big show from Big Ten Media Days, though. A lot to talk about. James Franklin, Penn State head coach. Cade Stover and JT Tuumalau from Ohio State. Mel Tucker, the head coach of Michigan State. Bruce Feldman from Fox Sports and the Athletic. Spencer Holbrook from Letterman Row. Loaded, loaded show, but of course, realignment trumps all. We'll be right back. We are here at Big Ten Media Days, and the stars are out. Bruce Feldman, Fox <laughs> Sports and the Athletic, my former coworker. I don't know about the stars out. They may be out, but they're definitely not in this well, they're seat. On, they're, but, they're, on, uh, they're on this show. You're going to hear from, from JT Tuumalau and Kate Stover from Ohio State. You're going to hear from James Franklin. 
uh, Mel Tucker. So we, we talked to a bunch of people here today, but Bruce, the overarching stuff, Northwestern and then Ohio State and what happens next with them, and then Jim Harbaugh, who's not even here yet, but he is looming over the place. That's a lot to get into. Obviously, the Northwestern story, I feel like for the last 10 days, has been the biggest story in college football. And the players aren't here, but I, I still think, you know, that, that story keeps, you know, I think it's beyond this. Yes. Whereas I feel like Ohio State is a really compelling thing right now. Having talked to, you know, I talked to JT, I talked to Marvin Harrison Jr. And, you know, the Michigan, it's so weird because you have the Michigan situation for them they lost back you know back-to-back games got dominated and yet they came within a field goal probably winning the national title yes if if they get a stop in the fourth quarter against georgia if you know if 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 there's a lot of ifs in that game very we're talking one play they are the national champions and we're having a really different conversation about ohio state yeah and especially you know, it's you know there was no Marvin in the fourth quarter, right? right. He gets knocked he out of the game, yep. and and so, you know, I think from talking to them, and I know you had had similar conversations with them, that it's like okay, we're right there. Yeah. But it's like okay, but you're right there, but you also got dominated. They're still pissed. They should be there, yeah. but they got, but they also got dominated. Yeah. In their own place. Well, and that's that's the thing. It was interesting hearing those people, whether it be Ryan Day, Gene Smith the players, there's no excuse they can make because of the way it went down in in both of those past two Michigan games. What do they have to do to get to the point where they can overcome Michigan? Because it feels like, as we saw, they can play on a national stage with national title contenders, but Michigan in a styles make fights situation feels like they're built to beat Ohio State. They have to find a way to match Michigan's physicality and you know look they're big and they should be able to do that but for whatever reason you know I feel like Michigan is built to beat Ohio State and Ohio State is maybe built to try to you know to beat Georgia, Georgia right and on, on carpet in 72 degree dome but they play they played the Michigan Ohio State game in the cold in November yeah and I, I just think you know with the, the receivers they have they're really dynamic but you know, a much better receiver than certainly Michigan is, but Michigan has a better offensive line. Yep. And I think that's the challenge for this team. And they, look, they lost, you know, one first round tackle and another one who went really high in the draft. So they're going to break in two new tackles. And I think that is going to be interesting to see because they definitely have talent. Right. We know they have talent on defense, but they got they got drilled in the second half by Michigan last year, and it happened without Blake Corum, who was their best player. Right. And it happened actually with, you know, Donovan Edwards was playing with a soft cast on his hand, right. you know, and, and he wasn't a hundred percent. And and I firmly believe that long touchdown by Donovan Edwards, even if he doesn't break that one, that the dam had broken. On, on Ohio State's defense where they had they'd stuffed Michigan over and over in the first half, but it felt like Michigan was getting getting rolling. It was going to be four, five, six yards of carry beyond that. So they were really just pounding on them at that point. And that's that's what Michigan does. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because we, we're, we're going to talk about Harbaugh. He's going to be here. But it's this is why this Harbaugh thing is so interesting. This is probably his best Michigan team. This is probably better than the team that beat Ohio State the past two years. Yeah, the guys I've talked to who are inside that program say this will be his most talented team. Not only is it the most talented, so Blake Corum is back. A lot of the offensive linemen, Zach Zinter, the yeah. leaders of the team, they are back. The two leaders of the defense, you know, Michael Barrett, Mikey Sainer still, they both are back. Yeah. I think those are, you know, on paper, there's a lot to like for Michigan. Certainly it's J.J. McCarthy, year two as a starter, looked really good against Ohio State on that stage, really was up and down and looked really shaky against TCU on that stage. So we'll see how he answers. But I think the other thing that now we're going to hear a lot about tomorrow is, you know, expected four-game suspension. Now, look, those four opponents, no knock on Rutgers, but, like, this is not a gauntlet here to to get out of it. Such East Carolina slander. 
Sorry. Will not be tolerated. No. No, it's, if you're going to suspend the guy for four games, this is when you do yeah, it. Yeah, apologies to Mike Houston, but yeah. there's still going to be a pretty big underdog in that game. Yeah. And I think, you know, he is such a – this is horrible, obviously, about Mike Houston. He's such a polarizing topic that I'm fascinated to hear how he answers it. Right. Because, you know, you never know what you're getting with him. Mm-mm. I feel like all of the coaches that were here today – Obviously, Kirk Ferentz, Ryan Day, but maybe Brett Bielema wouldn't be predictable. But almost everybody else, you could predict word for word what they're going to say. We don't know what Jim Harbaugh is going to say. Well, I haven't, you know, we haven't talked about this, in a, you know, since since uh, I saw you last. But obviously, there's the Tennessee case, yep. you know, with Jeremy Pruitt. And now there's this case. So I'm curious for your thoughts, not to produce your show. Produce but like, away. But... This is a transition part. I felt like Tennessee was a transition. It was unique in that mm-hmm. here's the whole school yep. really throwing this, you know, beleaguered loser coach under right. the bus for a for right. a lot of. He took the brunt of it. He the, took the brunt, and then people who were like also kind of castoffs for them who have long show causes. This is different. This is Jim Harbaugh at Michigan at at its best. But it's a much different case also, right, right. in terms of – but it's like the idea it's, of – It's more similar to the Trestle case. It is. There's some similarities to Bruce Pearl, but Bruce Pearl was, was acting and, con- you know, trying to reach out to people to say, hey, don't don't tell them that – Can I ask you this, here. though? Yeah, yeah. Like, so – and it's hard to predict what the NCA and the Committee on Infractions think, but there was history, you know, certainly Bruce Pearl. Right. You know, I, I've, I saw a lot of people commenting on, on, on Jim Trestle – and there was some certainly some history there. I think in retrospect, it was like, wow, he lost his job yeah. for this, you right. know, kind of thing. Exactly. Um, and I don't know where the outrage meter is going to be on Jim I think Harbaugh. The outrage is so different now because the world is different. We see these things differently. I always tell people if you want to to really understand how different things used to be, go back and read the Sports Illustrated game story on the 1993 Florida State national title. Those are the guys that got the This foot- is the Charlie Ward era foot- team. Yeah, the, the Charlie Ward team. But the f- foot, foot Locker. Free Shoes University. Right, is. exactly. Who is they the guy made who it sound who like, said that? Oh, he wore a visor. Yeah, I yeah. think you know him. But, okay. but you read this Sports Illustrated story, and it sounds like they committed murder. <laughs> they got shoes. <laughs> like, it, it, it used to be that the players were the bad guys, or anybody who dared violate an NCAA rule was the bad guys. We have come so far since then, and really so far since 2012 when all the Trestle stuff went down. But 2011, 2011. but also not just with the Trestle. 2011 was Penn Penn State and and Sandusky. I think think that's where it turned. I think people said, that's terrible. That's a scandal. This other stuff stuff of like, like, look, all the Miami stuff with Nevin Shapiro. Shapiro was right before that too. You know, and that was... That was like, oh my God, what happened? And it was like, oh, these guys are getting—they're getting a lot of food, and they're yeah. getting a lot yeah. of, uh, yeah, you know, Willie Williams-ish kind of treatment. Right. It's like at the end of the day, I think people are like, okay, that's that's more—that sounds scandalous, because it's—it's—I think there's differences between breaking rules and breaking laws. Very much so. You know. Very and, much so, and I think. If you asked people, the general populace, who the villain is in, in a lot of these cases now in 2023, they go, the NCAA. And they're, that, they're coming from a completely different place now. But if I'm Michigan, I would like this wrapped up because I would not like to deal with this case dragging through the season, which could be very special. If I, if, if I could have them tell me this will be over, Jim Harbaugh's got to miss four games. Sharon Moore's got to miss one game. You know, this guy's got to miss one. If, if I could tell them this is it and it's over and we're not dealing with this anymore, if I'm Michigan, I would take that. If I'm Jim Harbaugh, who doesn't believe he did anything wrong, I might not. And that's that's the fun part going to be tomorrow. Yeah. Like, how does he respond to this? Like, he is very unpredictable. Um, you know, it's interesting because this is a four-game suspension we expect. If Northwestern, you know, a month ago or whatever it was, three weeks ago, had just said when this all came out and said, hey, we're going to suspend Pat Fitzgerald for the first month of the season. Mm -hmm. I'm curious if this is any different for them. I don't know. I I don't know that it would have changed anything with the plaintiff's lawyers getting involved and all that. This was going to roll downhill on them. But I think it would have. I don't know that the president would have turned around and immediately fired 
Pat Fitzgerald because they would have said we we offered a fairly significant punishment. Right. But then they realized two weeks while he would have been on vacation anyway is not going to do it. And, you know, poor poor David Braun at, at Big Ten Media Days today. He was at North Dakota State last year. Really wasn't around for any of this. He's answering questions about God knows what. And at one point, I looked over, he had as many people as, as Ryan Day did. Yeah. You know, around him. So it's 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 a really, um, you know, again, Harbaugh is going to be the story tomorrow. But I think part of it, a big part of it is because nobody knows how he responds to this. There's a lot of coaches who are just going to give a statement and yep. then they're not going to go back to it. And maybe he'll do that tomorrow. I, I, I imagine Tom Mars, his attorney, yep. will probably prefer that way. And I feel like given, you know, we've had some dealings with Tom Mars over the years. If Tom tells you to be quiet, that's probably a great idea. Because Tom doesn't usually yeah, but go we for know, quiet. We, we know sometimes people don't listen to their lawyers always because they get caught up in it. You mean at Big Ten Media Days? And then they get suspended? <laughs> I don't know what that's, you're talking about. That might have happened to Urban Meyer that one time. I believe I work with him now, so I shouldn't say You shouldn't say more. anything, <laughs> shouldn't say but much. I'll say it because it happened. We don't know what's going to happen to Jim Harbaugh tomorrow, but everyone is waiting. That will be probably the biggest podium event of talking season 2023. You'll see it. We'll break it down. But when we come back, we go to the other side of that rivalry. JT Tuomalau and Cade Stover from the Ohio State Buckeyes talking about getting back to where they want to be. All right, we are here with two Ohio State Buckeyes, JT Tuomilau, Cade Stover, tight end, edge rusher. But as we were talking about earlier, Cade would have been a Mike linebacker 20 years ago. JT, what would have been like playing next to that guy? Uh, kind of, kind of did play next to each other in the Utah game. That's true. Um, yeah, so you know, just to have his uh, the the toughness and the the rowdiness he brings, man, you you love it on the defensive side. What it, what is it like at practice? Because I know. You guys probably have to bump into each other every once in a while. What is that like? It's always fun. Uh, you know, we always, before we go against each other, like, man, here we go. And then, boom, we go right to it. But it's always fun competing against Cade. We always bring the best out of each other. And then after hitting for an hour or so, we go back to being buddies. <laughs> off the Do you, are you more of a talker or he more of a talker? Uh, it's hard. We don't really, we both don't really talk. <laughs> yeah. It's hard with a mouthpiece. People don't understand how hard it is to talk trash with a mouthpiece. You yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Give, wear, give the mic to Kate. I don't wear a mouthpiece. Really? No. Yeah, I do wear a mouthpiece. That would scare me. Yeah. So, Kate, I, I was wondering, you you have a different background. You basically worked the family farm growing up. Dad, your dad started this farm, right? Yeah. With, like, two, two cattle, and, and now you are a full operating farm. Yep. What jobs did you do growing up? Uh, you wake up. You feed cows every morning, just like I was telling JT earlier. Like they're like raising little kids. They're just <laughs> it's like a bunch of little ten-year-olds that run around your house that uh, you basically just try and keep in the pen and keep fed and healthy. So uh, you're feeding them every morning. You're making hay. Depending on the time of year, every job's different. So uh, you're making hay. You're cutting corn. You're all kind of stuff. There's always stuff to do. And this is no days off. Chris, don't get Christmas off. Don't get Thanksgiving off. No days off. Cows eat on Christmas, your birthday, Thanksgiving. They eat every day. And this is what, after football, this is what you want to do, right? 100%. This is my, yeah, this is the end what, all what goal. Do you, you talk about, you know, when, when you're feeding the cows, it's like a bunch of 10-year-olds. But is it relaxing for you to be out there just? It's my, fa like, people say, like, you don't work a day in your life when you love what you do, right? And that, it doesn't feel, I can't sit still when I'm at home because it's just, I love being outside. I love working with animals. I love working with equipment. It's, just, it's such a rewarding lifestyle. What is your favorite piece of equipment to operate? Uh, I love the combine, of course, like everybody <laughs> does. Yeah, that's my. That seems awesome. It is. That's, you're just up there, real high, and just mowing. It's unbelievable. It's like it's just unbelievable. Skill involved. It's just it's really it's really really fun. How long does it take to learn to to operate something like that? Uh, just there's different jobs. Like if yeah. you're combining, it'll take a second because there's a lot of. Moving parts, a lot of stuff you got to watch, but uh, other stuff like if you're if you're working ground, like it's not hard. Like you can't mess that up, really. But you could hop up there and no problem. Hundred percent. Take down because you're using that to harvest, right? Right. Yeah. So see, I, I, I'm a little. There you suburban. go. I like it. I yeah, like I, I like your research. Okay, come on. Not completely suburban. <laughs> this one's suburban. No. You're, come on. 
<laughs> yeah, you do. Come on, JT. He knows. I was gonna say that I asked JT, is it is there anything like that in Seattle? Probably yeah. out in well, out in eastern Washington. Yeah. There's plenty of that, but not Keep where you're from. There, you, yeah, you, you'll find you'll find uh, Kate. <laughs> what Kate does. <laughs> well, I'm not gonna be out there. <laughs> so, JT, you uh, you just did a, a free camp for kids in Columbus, mm-hmm. and and I I found it interesting. You kind of fell in love with football, going to a, what a free camp that Russell Wilson put on. Yeah, real early in his career with the Seahawks. Yeah. So uh, it was it was Russell, I think Doug Baldwin, uh, Sidney Rice. Oh wow! Uh, I forgot their tight end at the time, but yeah, that was. Oh, and Richard Sherman was there. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a good bunch right there. Yeah. Nobody knew who any of those people were. I'm sure at that time. Uh, I think, I think everybody knew who Russell was. Yeah, but I don't know if they knew everybody else yeah. they had. So, what was it like for you being on the other end of that, where it's the 12 year olds and the 11 year olds looking up to you as, oh my God, that's JT. It was a man. It was a. It was a great experience just to just to see the smile on these kids' faces and just you know as simple as it was was doing drills, but to to know that it was it was my camp and and it, uh, I got a chance to give back and, and spend time with the kids that that look up to Ohio State and just be able to step out of my Ohio State player nature and just yeah. become and be a I don't know be a um, what should we call it being a a light to those who are either going to continue their football career or just don't know but want to ask questions. Just being there for them was just amazing for me. That's very cool. While you have the mic, I have to ask you about one of the greatest games I've ever seen anybody play, the Penn State Thanks. game last year. As you are doing that, you are forcing fumbles, you are intercepting passes, mm-hmm. you are sacking the quarterback. Is it? Do you have a, a tally in your head of, of what you've actually done, or is it just sort of black out and see the stat sheet like, holy cow. Uh, yeah, I didn't realize how much I did until after the game when uh, the, the boys on the bus started pulling up the stat line and then Coach Day announced the stat line. But, yeah, during the game it was just, man, just do whatever you can to help your brothers get a win. Cade, in a situation like that, how much of that do you even get to see or are you meeting with, with the guys on the offense? Do you do you know what's going? What what kind of game he's having at that point? No, you definitely you definitely had a feeling, especially after he picked up after he picked it off and scored. Oh yeah, that's when you're like, like, damn, he really just do that? Like that's <laughs> it was really good. And I mean, you're still with your, I mean, you meet for most of it, but I'm still watching. Like, yeah. I'm watching every play. How often in practice do, do you does he have those? Damn, did he really just do that? Moments? A lot of a lot of time. It's a very talented. That's a very athletic person that can do whatever he wants really. So I, I got to ask about the way last season ended because I, I'm, I'm sure it still kind of burns. But did it help knowing how close you were to being in a national championship game to, to potentially winning a national championship? Uh, somewhat. Uh, not really because then again it really doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, it was great. And, yeah, I mean, I'm I'd still I'm so proud of everybody, the way they handled things. But – it, it meant nothing. You don't get nothing for second place. You can tell your kids you've been there, but that's about it. So when you go to Ohio State, how quickly do they let you know what the standard is? Right away. I mean, you, they don't even have – it's, right. it's not really even like a – it's not really told to you. Yeah. You just, you just know. You watch by the way people work. You watch how people act, and you're like this is – it's just a different feeling. Is that why the program has has sustained itself? I mean, there's never been a time when Ohio State was bad. I think so. I just think it's such a – it's supported so well. It is publicized so well, and we we buy into every single bit of love and the character of people that we bring in. Like, we're bringing the best type of people. We're with the best type of people, and it's easy to keep something good going when you're bringing good people. So do, do you guys have to, because that standard is sort of ingrained in you, do you have to use how last season ended as motivation, or is it just intrinsic that you're going to you're going to work your way back to get there again? I mean, I'm definitely there's no doubt about. It, I'm using every bit of that. It's not a day I don't wake up and think about that. Uh, like I said earlier today, like I mean, I wear it. I wear it honestly. Uh, what happened? So uh, it's something that you just you basically take as a man on the chest. And you don't know about you, but uh, yeah, I think I think Cade. I think Kate hit it well. Um, obviously, uses motivation. I feel like if it's not, then something's wrong. But um, you know, we have a standard, and you know, not being able to do uh, 
do what we're supposed to do the past two years, it's obviously fuel, and it's a it's a different type of mindset going into this off season, and it's been one different off season, but in a great way. So, it's obviously used as motivation. All right, well, good luck, gentlemen. Camp about to start. The the, the hard part is over. The the yeah. boring lifting part. You actually get to hit people now. So, congratulations and good luck. Thank you. Thank you. We are here with Penn State head coach James Franklin, and we got to talk about the night you guys had in Indianapolis last night. The owner of St. Elmo, the famous steakhouse, yep. is a Penn State grad. Yep. You took the players there. Now, Olu told me he is not a shrimp guy. Did anybody try the shrimp cocktail? Yeah, so Adisa did. Okay. Uh, Olu did not. Okay. Uh, and I tried to coach up Adisa as much as I can. You got to open your Isaac, mouth. Yes. yes, you got to open your mouth. And I'm watching him. He's trying to be polite. His mouth is shut. He's chewing. And then all of a sudden, those vapors or whatever you want to call them uh, out the nose and his eyes started tearing up. So we've all seen that, right? The first time I came to Indianapolis ever, I was sick as a dog, could not breathe. The only time on the whole trip I could breathe eating that shrimp cocktail. It'll do it. it yeah, there's amazing. no doubt. It's like Vicks. It's, it's perfect. Yeah, Olu said he went with the tomahawk ribeye, so I can see where how, how he got. He's 323 pounds. How is that even possible for a guy that lean? Yeah, he looks great. I mean, if you'd have watched him crush this tomahawk, I mean, it was <laughs> it was impressive. Um, but, yeah, he's doing, he's doing really well. He's uh, really improved – his testing numbers, mm-hmm. um, which was something that was going to be a really emph- real emphasis for yeah. us. Obviously, his on-the-field play uh, kind of goes without saying, um, but his testing numbers in terms of 40 and vertical jump and pro agility and all those types of things, he's really made a good move on, and his weight has increased. He's one of the. He was one of the first guys who was kind of a Willie Stay, Willie Go last season who came back and said, I'm staying. How was that process internally? When did when did he tell you, "Hey, I'm I'm definitely back"? Yeah, it was it was you know somewhat strange. I meet with uh, all these guys that are on the bubble and their parents. We kind of set up a meeting. We kind of do a draft analysis. We kind of have a bunch of reports from GMs. My guy Andy yep. Frank, who runs our recruiting department, puts it all together. And we sat down, and I I told Olu and his family, I said, "Hey, you should leave." Yeah. All the data is saying that because he could have been the first tackle off the board. Yeah, obviously it was up for discussion, but he was yeah. in that discussion, and um, I said you should leave, you know. And uh, him and his family said, "Coach, we really appreciate uh, your perspective, but we always planned on being four years, and getting my degree before I left campus was really important." He's got like a three six seven yeah. GPA in supply chain. Uh, in supply management. chain, yeah, yeah, one one of the best programs uh, in the country. And, um, you know, it was really important for him to finish that and come back. The other thing that people don't realize is when we were having that conversation, Olu's freakishly young. So as that conversation was going on, he was 19 years old. Oh, my God. So that factored into it, too. Yeah, I was going to say, because I I was here in this building a few months ago watching Anthony Richardson throw, and I remember they couldn't get him into a bar afterward because he was still 20. So Olu, a year younger than that. Correct. Wow. Yeah. I can't even imagine trying to think about the NFL at 19 That's years right. old. So, so he also has a lot to work against at practice. And you mentioned uh, Abdul Carter when, when you were up on the big stage. And that's a guy who it feels like we realized very quickly this guy is good. How soon did you see it when he got on campus, what he could be? Well, I, I think right away he tested extremely well. He was like 233 pounds, and he ran well, and he jumped well. So right away we're like, this guy's special. We had had him in camp, so yeah. so we kind of knew that. Um, when you talk about iron sharpens iron, chop Robinson yep. as well. And I think that also played a factor in Olu, right? He's yeah. knowing he's going to have these guys to go against every single day at practice that's going to help him. Uh, but Abdul, once we started to get into practice and you could just see his acceleration to the ball, yeah, that was the thing that was different. Size, speed looks similar to Micah. How is his game similar, different from, from Micah? Yeah, you know, Micah was a guy that I think legitimately could have played tailback at Penn State. Wow. You know, just a, just a phenomenal athlete. If you haven't gone back and watched his high school highlight of playing running back, it's pretty impressive. Uh, 
Abdul, I'm not sure yet. It's it's too early to say, but he may be more explosive linear. Wow. Uh, than Micah, and that's that's hard to say because Micah, as as we all know, is a total freakazoid. Um, but he's in that conversation. He really is. So, Drew comes in and and had a chance to play a little bit last year. I imagine that's how you wanted it. You didn't want to have to throw him in. Do you feel like he's in a good spot right now? Yeah, I think when you look at whether it's the NFL or you look at college, I know everybody in the NFL is now playing the rookies. I do still think, like when I was with the Green Bay Packers, we had Brett, we drafted Aaron, I was there for Aaron's rookie year. I still think there's a ton of value in that, to come in as a freshman or as a rookie and sit behind a veteran, learn from what they do well, what you may do differently, and he played in 10 games. So that experience is going to be really valuable for him to build on. And we got a really good competition there with Bo Probuli as well. All right, James, I got my, my rookie producer, River. He's going to have his first St. Elmo shrimp cocktail while we're here. So just, just give him before you go, how do you do it? I think the biggest tip is don't have manners and chew with your mouth open because if your mouth is shut – I don't know what you call them, vapors or whatever. It's just, it feels like it's going to explode out your nostrils. Correct. Yeah. It, 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 and if, like he said, if you got a cold, it's the best thing ever. But if not, I, I would just don't have manners when you eat it. James Franklin, thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. I have a mutual friend, Trevor Moad. I, you, he helped you create the, the mental architecture for your football program. I helped him write a couple of books. That's right. So i got to ask you, in, in the words of our friend Trevor, how hard was it to say neutral last year? It was it was tough. He had to really practice what what we preached at that point, um, but we were able to do that, and that's what how we were able to get through and uh, come out of it. Uh, you know, actually better off. You know, we learn we learn from it, and it's it's just uh, you know you you go to the facts and you say you know uh, you try to say you know it's not good or bad, right or wrong. It just is what it is. And what do I what have I learned? And what do I what's the next step I need to take? And that's what we've done. You had such success in 2021 where you got some guys out of the transfer portal, most notably Kenneth Walker. Mm -hmm. You revamped again through the portal. Mm -hmm. how, how much of, of this team now mm -hmm. is guys that you've been recruiting all along mm -hmm. and then how much is, is guys you've, you've picked out of the portal? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of guys on our team that we recruited out of the high school ranks. Um, also, uh, we have, you know, all the majority of the guys that we get in the portal are not one-and-done players. And, uh, you know, Ken Walker left early. He wasn't really right. a one-and-done guy in initially. And so, uh, you know, so even some of the guys like a Malik Carr, mm -hmm. our starting tight end, um, you know, he came to us after one season at Purdue. And so this is going on like his third year with us, you know. And so, um, you know, even some of the portal guys that we recruited, you know, have been with us for a, a few years and they understand our culture. You know, they're all bought in. Um, and so uh, with those guys and, and then the, the high school guys that we've recruited, some of these guys we recruited since they were sophomores um, that we have now, um, I feel like we, you know, we, we've got a solid foundation and everyone is bought in and understands our culture. That's what I was going to ask is, is how hard has it been to establish a culture when you, you got hired February of 2020 uh, Coach Antonio stepped down, I think, right after signing day. Mm -hmm. So you, you basically get hired three weeks before the world stops. And then <laughs> you've got all that. Yeah. And then you had success out of the portal. So mm -hmm. that And the, the, the college football landscape is changing at this time. Yep. How hard was it to, to just have a group of players that you could have for a while mm -hmm. and say, this is what we do, yeah. this is how we do it? Yeah, it's, 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 it's tough, um, you know, coming in now to build a team. Um, but, you know, it's something that – we feel confident that, that we're able to do. Um, we have a process, and we and we trust the process. And when we acquire players, whether it's through the high school ranks or through the portal, you know, we ask ourselves, you know, is the, is the kid tough? Is he disciplined? Is he selfless? And you know, if he checks those boxes, then we go after him. We try to sign him, and so uh, it makes it easier to establish the culture and get the kids to buy in because they know coming in the door, if you come to Michigan State, this is what's going to be about. And so they want that. They and, and they and they can talk to to players yeah. uh, on the team. And hey, what is it like? What is Coach Tuck like? What are these coaches like? What is it like in the weight room? How do they treat you here? You know, what are the what's, what are the standards? And and then if 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 there's something that they want, then they sign up with us, and then we get them in and we indoctrinate them. Um, and the the older players, you know, show them the ropes. 
um, and then we're able to get them bought into the culture. How tough is it when, when you have a guy who's produced for you like Keon Coleman who comes mm -hmm. to you and says, Coach, I'm, I'm putting my yeah. name in the portal? Yeah, I mean, all, you know, I wish them all the best. You know, all, all of these guys, every single one of them, uh, you know, they have aspirations to do big things, to go to the NFL, and, 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 and they, you know, they want to try to get there any way that they can. Mm -hmm. And, and if, if a kid feels like the, the best thing for him to do is to go somewhere else, I'm going to support him 100%, just like we got guys that come to us. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like Ken Walker, no one knew who Ken Walker was until he came to us. It was a good move for him, yeah. and, it, and it worked out, you know. And, and they don't always work out like that, yeah. and it's an it's a inexact science. Um, but, you know, nothing surprises me in college, in college football. And with my 10 years in the NFL, um, you know, I'm used to guys coming and going. Yeah. You know, and some guys, sometimes even in the NFL, you know, some guys leave that you don't necessarily want to leave. You know, sometimes you get guys you don't necessarily want to get. You know, well, that's, I was gonna that's, say that's, that's kind NFL, of part of it. In the NFL, the GM may say, hey, listen, we need somebody in another position this week. So this guy's not going to be here. We may resign him in two weeks. I mean, it, it, it's, it's and then the, and you have to you have to really stay neutral because, um, you know, you gotta you gotta play with the cards that, that you're dealt with that, that are dealt to you, and uh, and that's what we do. That's what we do. So, your quarterback Noah, how much did he develop? And and it seemed like you know in the spring that he was ang looking toward being the guy, and, and, and then obviously Peyton transfers. Yeah. Well, you know, we had open competition in the spring, and he and he really uh, started to come alive. You know, last season, um, he was doing a doing a really good job in uh, in uh, in camp, mm -hmm. um, and then when he got in the games, he did a, he did a nice job. I mean, and and so uh, in this spring, this past spring, you know, he picked up where he left off, um, along with Caden Hauser. Uh, you know, all three of those guys are competing for the job. Um, and uh, he's just gotten better and better and better. You know, he's been with us for a while. He knows the offense. He knows uh, what we expect out of that position. Um, and uh, and he's, he's, he embraces the competition, which is, which is critically important. So what, what needs to happen defensively? I know mm -hmm. you've talked about the, the health. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, that was an issue last year. Yeah. Can depth help that? It, it that's it's critical. I mean, we uh, starting starting up front. We need we need to have a strong rotation in our front in our, in our defensive line. Um, we went out and got three, six, five, three hundred plus defensive tackles that can help in our rotation to go along with Derek Harmon and Simeon Barrow and Maverick Hansen and those guys. We got six, seven guys that we can roll there. We we signed four defensive ends. Uh, you know, one of those guys is uh, from Texas A&M, Tamisha Adelaide. It was 280 coming in the door, a big end. That is really a mismatch on the edge in the run yeah. game. And he, can, he got stuck behind some five stars at, yeah. at, at Texas A&M. Yeah, I mean, and, he, yeah. and, he, and he was one of the top players in the country coming out himself. And yeah. so, uh, you know, and then we got our linebackers back. You know, Kyle Holiday is back. Brule decided to come back. Jacoby Winmon decided he was going to come back. And so that's going to that's gonna help our defense. That's going to help our secondary. We, we added Terry Roberts. Uh, who's played in the Big Ten? Uh, Samar Melvin, who's played in the Big Ten. Amarion Smith, who's had a, uh, played a lot of football at Cincinnati, played at a high level. Uh, along with the young guys, we, we signed six or seven uh, defensive backs the year before. They were freshmen last year, mm -hmm. and a lot of those guys they they had to play because of injuries, and they and they got the training. So, um, you know, we have a, a lot of guys who have played uh, some football, and and uh, with a mix of older guys and younger guys that I think. Uh, it's going to allow us to get the job done this year. You came in wanting to be competitive with everybody in this league yep. in terms of recruiting mm -hmm. and, and getting those guys on your campus. Yep. You have gotten some of those guys on your campus. Yep. You haven't been able to land them all. Hmm. How do you sell at this point yep. and get those guys on campus? And yep. then instead of they come on campus and yep. then they end up signing yep. Yep. elsewhere, how do they sign with you? Yeah, well, we're, st we're, we're starting to get them. You know, we're yeah. getting we, – we sign – we signed nine four stars last last in the last class, and some and some top guys in the portal. You know we're strong in the NIL space. Um, you know the uh, the more the more that players uh, come to Michigan State, the more they take a look, the more they really dig in and they really they really get to know our coaches and our and, and the existing players. 
um, they can really see it. They can really feel the connection. They can feel the vision. And we're opening a new facility. You know, we have a $65, $67 million facility of expansion and renovation that was much needed, which will put us in the, in the top, you know, three or four in the Big Ten, which is huge. We were at a severe recruiting disadvantage, um, and we're not recruiting off of renderings anymore. We're moving into the, in the, into the new locker That's room on Wednesday. That's hard we got to show the drawing, right? Yeah, it's hard we got to show the drawing. And we're moving into, into the new locker room next week. And so uh, we're able to take the recruits through, to put a hard hat on them and walk them through, and they can actually see it. You get here, you'll be. This will be the facility that you'll be in. Um, you know, you, we'll be able to compete at the at the highest level with with anybody. Are they going to have those those chairs that turn into to beds? <laughs> oh, you know, the lockers. Those, well, those I, are I, crazy. I, saw, I, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to let the cat out of the bag. Uh, we haven't. We haven't done anything that's that's crazy and not functional. But I can tell you this: our we don't have to take a backseat to anyone when it comes to our locker room. I, I we had a wooden stool. <laughs> when I, and I was talking to one of my old teammates the other day, and he's like, "I took the stool home with me. I've, I've kept the stool." Yeah. But yeah, now now you can just live there. I, I don't know yeah. if, why any of these players ever leave. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, and that's and, and that's why we're really looking forward to getting into our locker room because, um, you know, with the with the construction, our team was, has been displaced. Our locker room, you know, that they use every day, we had to, we moved it to the stadium. So it was oh. a game day locker room. And they oh, yeah. had to take a bus to, you know, oh, yeah. back That's and forth. And, and, not practical yeah. in practice. And, yeah, and they didn't hang out there like mm -hmm. they normally did. You know, you know, those guys would stay there an hour, two hours after practice hanging out. Right. And so now that um, you know they're getting their locker room back, that's really going to help with our team chemistry because that's really that's their home. Yeah. And that's where they hang yeah, out. Yeah, you don't want it to be a bunch of guys who just come, clock in, right, and go their separate ways. That's you right. You want them to be together a lot. Yeah, and that, that's the that, I mean, it's the, the beauty of the locker room, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's where all your guys are, you know, and it's and it's and uh, that's where they hang out and that's where they connect and and then we're going to have a new players lounge and all that. That's all a part of it. And so, uh, you know, we're moving in the right direction. Um, we're getting a lot of uh, top-level players that, that are coming and, and, and interested in Michigan State. We're starting to get those commitments from those guys, and it's only going to get better. So you, you were head coach of Colorado before you came to Michigan State. Did, oh. did Deion Sanders call you and ask for any advice when he uh, when No, no, Deion <laughs> Prime doesn't need any advice from me. I, but I got to know Prime a little bit when I when I recruited Lewis Seen okay. out of his high school in Texas. Yeah. And Lewis Seen is a great player. And at I signed, Georgia, absolutely. Yeah, I signed him at Georgia. And uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Prime. Uh, you know, he's got his own process. He knows what he wants to do. He knows what type of players that he needs to get the job done. He's got a lot of connections coast to coast. Um, you know, he can get players. Um, you know, uh, he, he sells himself. Um, but uh, he's, a, he's an excellent football coach. It's not, it's not just all sizzle. I mean, there's a lot of substance there. So you, you mentioned, you know, he knows what he wants. You know what you want, yep. player. I mean, I, I look at what Kirby's doing at Georgia. Yep. You work with him. Yep. You work with Nick Saban. You work with, with Jim Trestle yep. and, and that group at Ohio State where they kind of knew exactly mm -hmm. body type-wise, position-wise. Yeah. How hard is it to to find some of those? Like the, the D lineman, you just mentioned yeah. the, the guy you got from Texas A&M. How many of those people are just walking around? Uh, it's really hard to find big defense linemen, yeah. and everyone wants them. You know, so it's it's really tough. And if they're not in your state, you know, you got to go out of the state to get them. You know, then you know that makes it even tougher. You know, and so uh, you know that's you know that's one of the challenges that we have. And so we recruit, you know, coast to coast. We've got kids on our team from California, Arizona, Colorado, Oregon. Uh, we got guys from uh, Florida, Georgia, New York, New Jersey, you know, Massachusetts. I mean, everywhere. We're going everywhere. Uh, North Carolina, where, Virginia, where we got to go to get guys. Uh, we're going to get them because we know what type of players we need, and you don't want to make exceptions because once you if you make exceptions, you'll have a team full of exceptions. We got to get the guys that have the size, uh, you know, the, the the power, the speed, that the, those things that you need to be able to compete against the best teams. You got a bunch of them here, so that's right. <laughs> Good luck. Appreciate yeah, thank it, you so much. Go green. We are here at Big Ten Media Days. Got Letterman Row here. Spencer Holbrook, how we doing? Uh, doing well. A lot of Ohio State coverage coming at LettermanRow.com, so it's going to be a, a good day. Here oh, it, we got Ohio State. We got Illinois. We got Penn State. Rutgers. Also Northwestern. That seems yeah. to be the, the the topic du jour. Although it's interesting because there's not really a lot of people to ask questions of with Northwestern. 
David Braun, their interim coach, was the only person who came. And this guy, I mean, they, they didn't bring the players. And I, don't, I understand that completely because what the heck are they supposed to say? Nothing. But, and, and David Braun, their interim coach, this guy was at North Dakota State last year. He's brand new. His wife's about to have a baby. And all he's getting is pelted with questions about naked pull-ups and dry humping in years where he was way, way, way away from Evanston. Yeah, it's, it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen at Big Ten Media Days. And, you know, a couple years ago, Kevin Warren not answering questions about COVID was one thing. Yes. But then it's a completely different way, weird thing to just see this guy who – doesn't really have any doesn't really have anything to do with this. Yeah. Go up there and have to be the almost like sacrificial lamb for the program while the athletic department department, the athletic director, the president still hasn't spoken and he end up ended up yeah, speaking. Yeah, Der- Derek Gregg has finally talked. Michael Schill talked to the the Daily Northwestern. Michael Schill's the president. Derek Gregg's the the AD. He talked to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN on Wednesday. He said, "Hey, there's no place for hazing at Northwestern." Of course blah, blah. there's not. Well, it, it, the weirdness of it is that the guy who was the AD for most of the time at Northwestern is the ACC commissioner, Jim Phillips. And he got up at ACC Media Days on Tuesday, said his kind of canned, I can't talk about this because it's a subject of litigation. Although he didn't say I didn't do anything wrong. Yes. Or he, he just said he felt bad. You know, he was sorry if anyone was hurt. And it was like, whoa. So, yeah, David Braun's up here who, of all the people who could have been here, the least equipped to answer any questions about all this, which is probably why he's the one here. Yes. But I felt I just felt genuinely bad for the guy. There was no winning with this yeah. Northwestern situation because I don't know if there would be league punishment for not showing up. Yeah. We've never had this happen before, right. um, which is so it's just unprecedented. So like, if the, does the league punish them for not showing up? Maybe. So that's why you have to have somebody here. Yeah. It probably should have been the athletic director, but if it's not. It certainly shouldn't be the former North Dakota State assistant turned Northwestern head coach overnight who yeah. has not much to do with this. Uh, it's just one of the most bizarre things. And, and here's the thing. Unless he pulls off a miracle this season, which would be winning multiple games, three. I think, three games, uh, he's not going to work at Northwestern next year. No. like He's going to move on with his coaching career and go somewhere else and, and try to forget this ever happened. And – it, it's just a strange situation. It gets weirder tomorrow because Jim Harbaugh is going to be here with potentially a four-game suspension looming. We don't yet know if that's going to be finalized. And, you know, of all the coaches, because we go today, we, you know, Ryan Day's here, Kirk Ferentz is here. Like, if something like this was going on, and I'm not casting aspersions at them or anything because this is not going on with them, but you know what they'd say. Yes. We could predict word for word what they'd say. Jim Harbaugh is the one guy you can't predict what he'll do. Yeah, and this is my fourth media day, fifth time, fifth year covering the team, fourth media day, and Jim Harbaugh seems to get weirder with his media sessions every time he's here. Yeah. And so, like, first of all, what does he say in general? You don't know what he's ever going to say. Second of all, now that he's going to be peppered with questions about lying about cheeseburgers, it's going to be even more bizarre. And I Say I just, it again. Say it again. Say it louder for the people in the back. What we are really talking about here. Uh, lying about cheeseburgers. Uh, Wait, one more time. <laughs> lying about cheeseburgers. Andy, my, my hotel room here in Indy, <laughs> I can see the NCAA headquarters from the window, and you just, it, you're just you almost looking down at the NCAA, and yeah. I think everyone here is looking down on the NCAA <laughs> because you know a lot of people have called it a clown show, a joke, well, uh, whatever you want to call it. Your readers who went through a very different experience yeah. with a similar, with the same bylaw with Jim Tressel, I'm sure are like, our guy got fired over this. What the, what the hell? Yeah. If you want to really put it into that terms, a, a dec- more than a decade later, Jim Harbaugh got a slap on the wrist. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. legally, according to the NCAA, lying to investigators is the worst thing you can possibly do. It, Bruce Pearl's was sort of similar, but not really, because they also caught Bruce Pearl talk, telling people, hey— uh, but it's an Ohio State story, too, by the way. It's Aaron Kraft. Yes, uh, exactly. He, he They caught him— you know, asking people to say, hey, Aaron Kraft wasn't at, they called it a barbecue. It was really a cookout. Let's be real here, people. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, it's so strange. So Harbaugh, you know, at, at this point, we don't know that he's okay with the four-game suspension. We, we 
think the NCAA is cool with it. The Michigan administration seems cool with it because they want to get this out of the way with a potentially special Michigan season on deck. Yeah. But Jim Harbaugh doesn't – and I understand this. If you don't think you did anything wrong, you don't want to admit you did something wrong if you don't believe you did anything wrong. Yeah, but, but if you did – I think all of these coaches now know yeah. lying to investigators, again, probably right. the worst thing you can do. Yeah. Now, he said, I don't recall. And this is semantics. This is semantics because he was shown a receipt. And it's, now do you recall? I don't recall. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But it, it's, it's fascinating to me because it was dropped right before Big Ten Media Days. I'm pretty sure that was on purpose. Yes. Meanwhile... We're sitting a few feet from Ryan Day. We're going to hear from uh, from Cade Stover and JT Tumalau later in the show. The Buckeyes going on about their business. They came, I think they were one defensive stop in the Peach Bowl away from winning a national title last year. But they're also 0 for their last two against Michigan. And those are a weird couple things to reconcile, Spencer. I asked JT Tumalau maybe one of the weirder questions he got of, is it weird how much motivation you guys have in an offseason after a loss? Because the Georgia game – put the program almost back on the map. A lot of people were right. starting to think, okay, what's wrong with Ohio State? Is Ohio State broken after the Michigan loss because Ohio State legitimately looked like its spirit had been broken in that right. second half? You go play Georgia, and you were better than that team for probably 59 minutes. Probably until Marvin Harrison got hurt. Yeah, I mean, for a very long stretch of that game. I, I should probably say 59 minutes. You've got a lot of listeners down south. But. Well, yeah, but okay. Let, but let's be real. The Georgia people will admit – their, their defense got sliced and diced in that game, and nobody did that to them. And I think, to be honest, I think they're not even like a defensive stop. I think they're a Lathan Ransom falling down on accident. Yeah. That 76-yard touchdown, he just fell down. Yeah. And you don't always see very skilled athletic defensive backs falling down. Right. And, and, those, and those were the types of plays that killed Ohio State last yeah, year. Absolutely. So, but it is, it is interesting to hear them because they are – and look, everybody's motivated. Everybody who plays for a program like Ohio State, like Georgia, like Michigan, where you're expected to win championships, is highly motivated. But it felt different. Like, you'll hear it in Cade Stover's voice when you hear him interviewed. Yeah, he's an Ohio kid, and he's a kid from Mansfield, Ohio, which an hour maybe uh, from Columbus. He grew up scarlet and gray, watching James Laurinaitis do, do his thing. You know, this is a guy who used to play defense because of how violent he is. Oh, yeah. And he might get violent if you ask him about Michigan. That's the bottom line. Like, he does not like talking about it. And but you kind of have to talk about it. And you know, it goes all the way to the top. And that's I have a story at LettermanRow.com. This motivation to beat Michigan goes completely to the top levels of the athletic department. I asked Gene Smith, just plain and simple, like, does the last two years motivate you? And he said, absolutely, it does, 100. percent And the only way to flip the script is to win the game. Yeah. You've got to now wait. I think 200 some more days or 100 some more days to do it. You have to flip that script or else you're going to come back here, uh, you know, next year at this exact time, and Michigan's going to be picked to win the Big Ten again. Yeah. And it just adds another layer to this chapter of, you know, what happened in the rivalry, how did it flip, but it also adds another chapter of this is a very ticked-off Ohio State team that mm -hmm. uh, that kind of sees it now, like, oh, Michigan's picked to beat us now. Well, and picking Michigan to beat them does not feel like, a, oh, they it's just a Styles make fights. Yeah. They happen to – Picking Michigan to win the Big Ten this year feels like, hey, this is the most talented Michigan team Jim Harbaugh's had. There yeah. are NFL dudes all over the field. Yeah. And I think that's what makes this so interesting is Ohio State really is in that position. And and I was at SEC Media Days last week, and it was interesting to see Alabama yeah. in that position because it's not where they've been. But realistically, they are behind Georgia in the SEC and, and in the national title race. That, that's reality. Yeah, Georgia has better, at least more accomplished players right now. Alabama may ultimately have better NFL guys, just as Ohio State may ultimately have more and better NFL guys than Michigan. But right now, Ohio State is behind them. Yeah, and it, however you want to split it, because you can look at, at recruiting rankings or coaching staffs, and I think Ohio State has a really talented staff that they've put together. Yep. You can say Ohio State is ahead of Michigan in a lot of things, but there's a scoreboard for a reason, and the last two years the scoreboard has said what it has said, and the results have shown that this program is currently behind Michigan. And so this week, it's so weird, Andy, because, again, fourth time coming over here, the headliner of this entire week has been Ohio State. And yes. 
if they beat Michigan, maybe next year it'll be Ohio State. It certainly isn't Ohio State right now because not only the Northwestern thing today, but they didn't even get put on the, the second day. The headliner is always the second day of this thing. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's on the first day where Michigan normally is, yep. and Michigan goes tomorrow as the spotlight program of tomorrow. It feels weird, but in a way, it feels right because of the pedigree of Michigan right now. That program is on something right now. The politics of media day scheduling always fascinate me. Yeah. But there's another program here today. We're going to hear from James Franklin later. Penn State is in an interesting position right now because it feels like they have more elite talent than they've had in a long time. Uh, the the Fashnu, who's here today, could be the first offensive lineman off the board in the NFL draft next year. Uh, you know, JT, he and JT are probably going to be fairly close together yeah. in the NFL draft uh, and, and will probably be matched up against one another quite a bit in that game. I would hope so. That'll yeah. be fun. Oh, it'll be awesome. But, you know, Abdul Carter is a guy who's got at least two more years at Penn State. He looked like a young Mike Parsons last year. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it feels like there's this wild card here. And remember, Penn State always plays Ohio State tough, but for whatever reason, they can't win in Ann Arbor. But they can play Michigan just fine in State College, and Michigan goes to State College this year. Yeah, it seems like the perfect storm for Penn State to have a historic season for that program. Yeah. But – Sorry for the caveat. Uh, Michigan is really good. Exactly. And Ohio State is really good. And so maybe Penn State is more talented than Penn State's ever been. But right now, if I had to vote, I still wouldn't put Penn State ahead of either of them. And that's probably... Nobody's doing that. But that's why I wonder, are we sleeping on them maybe a little bit too much? Yeah, I think it's interesting because a lot of people have questions about Ohio State at quarterback just because Kyle McCord hasn't been named the starter yet. I think that will come. But... They remind me of a lot, a lot of each other in, in ways because Penn State has that really talented duo at running back. Ohio State has a really talented running back core coming back. Absolutely. Penn State has an unknown at quarterback and a, and a couple of spots on the offensive line that you wonder about. Ohio State has a really strong core. They're yeah. in the middle of that offensive line, but a quarterback that you don't know about. They, they remind me in a lot of ways of each other. I just think the deciding factor is number 18 for Ohio State, and like Penn State's going to have to deal with that. And – this could be the best, again, Penn State team that they've had, and it still might not matter. Right. And that's that's a hard pill to swallow. And Marvin Harrison Jr., as someone who has watched him play an awful lot, he is spectacular. I, we saw Devontae Smith be the best player in college football as a wide receiver. I think Marvin can do that, too. Yeah, I think they're so hard to compare because of the way Very they play. Very different guys, yeah. Just so different. But, like, I remember – you know, the first couple of glimpses of Marvin making those catches in practice. And you say, like, well, can he do that in a game, though? And then he goes out and just does it in a game and gets up and does the, the bow and arrow thing. And you just like, yeah, that's that's normal now. And yeah. when the extraordinary becomes ordinary, that's when you know you're seeing something special. He's just so different. I'm really glad the spotlight's on him today because he really does deserve it. Like, the way that he plays the game, the things that he does on the field, they're, they're not human. A lot of people – around our beat, um, you know, just colleagues, we call him a Martian. Like he, like, <laughs> well, he's not from Earth. Yeah. All of the earthly players are pretty good. Then there's yeah. Marvin. And then, of course, you've got Caleb Williams out west. Theoretically, he could win a second Heisman, but there's a reason nobody's won two in a row since Archie Griffin, and Archie's the only one who's ever done it. It's hard to do. Yeah. Caleb's going to get picked apart. That's why I do think Marvin has a really good chance of being that guy. And I do think, you know, Devontae Smith kind of helped pave the way for it because – before, we would, we would give all the credit to the quarterback. And I think in that 2020 year, Heisman voters kind of realized, no, the receiver can be the special sauce here. Yeah, and I think that's a really good recipe for Marvin to be able to get over that hump and, and do what Devontae did. I think the biggest problem is in the Alabama season, there were a couple of injuries right. where Devontae got Had so many yeah. targets. Yeah. And you talk about Emeka Buka who – I don't know if people realize this. Maybe they don't. Had only 125 fewer receiving yards than Marvin Harrison Jr. did last That's year. That's amazing. Like, Marvin Harrison Jr. had, I think, 1263. I I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure Emeka had 1150. Wow. Which is just, they're very close to each other. Yeah. And, like, you don't realize it because of the way Marvin Harrison goes and does it. But Emeka Ibuka from the slot, man, like, he's just so good. And so that's my worry with Marvin Harrison Jr. Is that, that it just kind of gets 
siphoned off. It's it's almost a little too fair in the offense. You know, Julian Fleming's going to have you know some catches, probably 500 yards or so. Carnell Tate may have some catches. Cade Stover, who you know we hear from a little bit, he's going to have his 30 to 40 catches, maybe five, 600 yards receiving like he did last year. And so, is there almost too much for Marvin to overcome as far as in his own offense to get over that hump? Well, that would be a good problem for Ohio State to have. I think if, yeah. if that's the problem, they'll take it because yeah. it means they're beating the hell out of everybody. But, again, like you said, it comes down to that final game of the regular season. Those guys in maize and blue with the winged helmets. And uh, we'll just have to see. They are, uh, they're the ones in the, in the featured spot. And, of course, couldn't be the featured spot at Big Ten Media Days without some drama. So we'll, we'll see what happens with Jim Harbaugh tomorrow. It's going to be really fun. I'm, I'm really excited to hear from Jim Harbaugh. And it's, it's the only place in America where 11-0 means nothing. And I, I wouldn't have it any other way. Both of these programs, 11-0 meant nothing last year on November 26th. And then uh, Ohio State, everything was terrible after that. And for Michigan, 12-0 was awesome. Welcome to the Big Ten, baby. For tonight's Extra Point, we go back to where we started. More potential realignment. This is one of those times in college sports where your imagination runs wild, and it probably will run wild for a little while until we find out exactly who is moving where. When stuff like this happens, I think of the night of the first Big 12 missile crisis. If you remember the name Dan Beebe, he was the butt of a lot of jokes because he was the Big 12 commissioner back in 2010 when Larry Scott and the then Pac-10 tried to take half of the Big 12. How did the Big 12 stay together? Well, one, Texas really, really wanted to start its own network. But two, Dan Beebe managed to create a deal that allowed the Big 12 to make as much money with 10 members because Nebraska and Colorado were leaving as they had with 12. How did he do this? Well, have you seen those sitcom episodes where a guy has two dates and they're in different restaurants and he runs between the restaurants, between courses, and hilarity ensues. That's what happened. It was a Kansas City hotel room. Fox people are on one floor. ESPN people are on another floor. Dan Beebe is running back and forth trying to lock down this deal. He gets it locked down. Texas goes to Larry Scott and says, oh, by the way, we'd like to do our own network. The Pac-16 deal falls apart. The Big 12 is saved. And now here we are, 13 years later, and it's all coming full circle, potentially. Colorado could be coming back to the Big 12. And it's a Big 12 that only existed because Dan Beebe acted like a sitcom character running between hotel floors. So the next time you want to chuckle at former Big 12 Commissioner Dan Beebe, remember, he's the one that kept the conference alive so it could do this. <laughs>